Philemon 1.7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Well, y'all, welcome to our new series that we're going to be going on as we embark on this topic of refresh. Uh, Over the next five weeks, we're going to uncover these different principles uh, that Paul taught in this letter that he wrote to his buddy named Philemon. See, God's Word, it's so living and it's active, so much to the point that the shortest letter that Paul, that we know, that we have, that, uh, that, that Paul has ever written, the shortest letter, we're going to be able to stretch that out into a five-week series. And as we read through and journey through Philemon together, we're going to see how we, as the community of faith, how we are able to refresh one another. And there's five ways that this short letter shows us how to do that. It's first through love and trusting in Jesus. And then it's loving fellow Christians, fellow sisters and brothers in the faith. And then it's sharing our faith with others and serving the kingdom together. And then preparing our home, offering, uh, uh, being generous with our hospitality. You see, as I sought the Lord Uh, And asked him, you know, God, what do you want to say to us, to me, to our community of faith here at Alamo Hills? The, The word that kept ringing true over and over and over again for me was this concept of refresh. See, because I personally, I need to be refreshed. I think our leaders and our congregation, we need to be refreshed in order so that we can go out and be refreshing to others. And so I wonder, friends, are you feeling a little bit tired these days? Like, did summer get you just absolutely winded? Are you trying to garner up all the energy and strength that you need to kick in this new school year? Are you feeling uh, beat down, a little bit dehydrated? Then I want you to know this series is for you, because we're going to be searching God's Word on how we can refresh, and through the community of faith coming together, refresh one another. Or maybe, maybe on the other end of the spectrum, summer was really refreshing for your soul. Like you're geared up and ready to tackle on that new school year. Maybe you're excited for change that's happening at home or especially here at your church here at Alamo Hills. And so maybe you're charged up and that's really, really great. I want you to know that this sermon series, this message series is also for you because we're going to uncover what it looks like to be a refreshing Christian so that we can refresh those around us. It's so important to be, to be refreshed, see, because you have to be, a a dry well can't quench thirst. And so we need one another filled up, ready to pour out our lives to our sisters and brothers in the faith, to other fellow Christians, and especially those outside the faith. And so I wonder, what comes to mind whenever you think of this word refresh? Like, what is the first kind of descriptor that kind of flows through your mind? I know for me, it's like this video that we just watched. It's being out there in the mountains or on the beach, uh, being able to really soak in the sun where it's very uh, relaxing, where I'm able to unwind and just calm myself and be still and just listen Uh, to the sounds of nature. It's holding my wife's hand as we're on the beach or walking into the ocean together for a quick swim. Uh, You know, I think even in the scorching heat that we're experiencing in San Antonio, it's having a cold drink or uh, the, the three days that it actually gets cold in our city, it's having a hot steaming latte camped around a campfire. 
See, I'm not much of a soda drinker, but I don't know if you remember those Coca-Cola commercials where they would pop the top off and then the, the guy or the girl would go, ah, right? So I don't know if you know this, but Coca-Cola, they actually uh, bought the URL aah.com. It's like absolutely genius. It'll take you to a Coca-Cola commercial, but something like that. It's just so refreshing, even when you hear that sound of the soda can being popped off. Well, Jesus knew that we needed to be refreshed, that we needed a time where we can sort of reboot. And that's why he talks about it several times uh, in the Gospels. Like in John chapter 4, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will, will uh, become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Another time in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Another time in Matthew chapter 10, he, it says, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. And finally, in John chapter 7, it says, On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me for a drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me for a drink. Jesus is saying anyone who is thirsty for truth, love, grace, peace, acceptance, salvation, let them come to me and drink because I am the one who gives them everlasting life and water that never runs dry. Jesus says not only will you never thirst again, but your bodies will actually become the spring that, that gets welled up all the way into eternal life. It's never ending. This water will never run dry. There's always going to be more than enough because it's Jesus who is this living water. Do you believe that? If so, say amen. 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 See, we drink from this Christ, just like we did earlier in our service where we were able to come to the communion table and drink from Jesus. So we become uh, overflowing with his presence. It's, there's this mystery in communion. It's a religious practice that we do. And it's not only an outward example of being united to Christ and community, but there's something really internal within our bones and within our spirit that goes on as well where we are being refreshed really from the inside out. See, this refreshment that we're given by God, it's, it's a geyser uh, that really wells up and shoots out and it rains over everyone that we come in contact with. It saturates everyone and everywhere. You see, you and I, we are called to be refreshing to those around us. Uh, just like this guy named Philemon. Like, who was this guy, and why was Paul writing him a letter? Well, what we do know is that Philemon was a strong man in the faith. It's evident in this letter that he had power, influence, and wealth, and he used it for good. He used it for the advancement of the gospel. 
And whether we like it or not, which we don't, uh, back in those days, it was the norm uh, for folks to have slaves. And so Philemon, he had a slave, and his name was Onesimus. And for some reason, Bible scholars debate back and forth, and they just try to make up reasons why that Onesimus ran away from Philemon's household. And when he did, he made his way in contact with the Apostle Paul. And at this point uh, in Paul's letter, uh, he was older in age, and uh, he was writing uh, this note uh, to his buddy Philemon. He was probably either in jail, more than likely he was under house arrest. I hope nobody's ever had to experience that before. Uh, they didn't really have one of those uh, ankle monitors back then. So they had a Roman guard who lived in the home wh where Paul was at. And Paul says, during this time, Onesimus made his way into a friendship with Paul. Even more than a friendship, Paul called him an actual son in verse 10. And so Paul begins writing this letter to Philemon, reminding Philemon that he's got this reputation both inside and outside the church for this incredible love that he has for God and how refreshing he is to the people of God that he comes in contact so much so that Paul says, hey, hey, bud, I can't wait to come visit you because I need to be refreshed by your presence. That's in verse 20. I mean, how incredible, right, to have this reputation, both individually and collectively. Like, I know whenever Jackie and I get the opportunity to spend time with Willie and Kazumi, it's a very refreshing experience for us. They're very refreshing for us. And then how cool would that be if we as a collective body of faith together here at Alamo Hills, what if we were known for being a refreshing people, both on Sunday mornings and all throughout the week, just like Philemon, bringing joy and comfort from our love, refreshing the saints together. See, because in this world that's filled with so much anger and so much animosity, there's anxieties and, and rage all around us. Alamo Hills is an oasis of living water where folks can come in and drink from the well of Jesus. See, we offer this Jesus drink every single Sunday, and it, it's lived out through you where you're being scattered into your neighborhoods, into your schools, your workplaces, everywhere you go, coffee shops, restaurants, yes, even Target. This living water gets poured out everywhere we go. But in order for us to be free and able to pour this living water out, see, we gotta be refreshed. We have to be refreshed so that we can in turn be refreshing. And the way that we do this is by coming to the well of Jesus. See, we need to come to the feet of Christ and take a load off. Let him bear our burdens. Like, give it completely over to him. You know, he wants that. He wants us to give us, give him our anxieties and our fears and our angers and, and our resentments, all these things that are weighing us down. Jesus is saying, hey, lay it on me. Lay it on the cross. And in turn, I'll give you rest. He wants to give us rest. We get to give him our burdens and we get rest. I mean, just think about that for a moment. I, I don't know if there's ever been a busier time in society than there is today. Like in the Western world, we never turn off. We're always on and we always keep going, even when we're sleeping. I feel like sometimes our brains are still working and we wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something we didn't get done or something that we need to get done. 
I was at a conference a couple of months ago. Uh, It was a senior leaders conference, and one of the speakers uh, was talking about how in our current workforce right now, there are three different generations of people working together on the same team under the same roof. You've got baby boomers, uh, Gen Xers, and then millennials all serving together on the same team. And, And some millennials are actually becoming the boss of baby boomers, and that's just like wrecking everything up, and people are freaking out. The system is going haywire because baby boomers... And Gen Xers, see, y'all will remember that, that you had to be in the office to get work done. You see, the office was the place that had the computer, the office had the internet, the office had your workspace so that you can actually get the job done. So you had to be in the office to get things done. So naturally, if you were outside of the office and you weren't working, because it was impossible to keep working without your workspace. That meant that parents were missing out on dinners because they were never leaving the office. They stayed there all throughout the night behind their desk to get work done. And so baby boomers naturally think, hey, where are the millennials at? Like, what are they doing in a coffee shop? They're just lollygagging, drinking coffee, hanging out with friends. There's no way that they're able to get work done because they're not in the office. But the the thing is, look at this right here. This, this right here means that we are never not on. We're never not at work because it's following us everywhere we go. Like we get real-time pings. The second uh, the sender uh, hits sent uh, in the email, we immediately get a ping to our phone and every single device. I mean, even when you're driving, your car is talking to you, letting you know that your boss is trying to send you an email and if you want to reply to it while you're stuck in traffic. It's nuts how we're never We're never off now, whether we're inside or outside the office. Whether we're at home during dinner, we're able to still be working. Uh, If we're on vacation, uh, if you're trying to watch your son's football game or your daughter's recital, or dare I even say, and I've had to counsel couples through the fact that their, their spouse was working during their honeymoon halfway across the globe. See, these devices that I love and that I cherish and adore, they've made our Western society so busy that we really never turn off. I mean, I'm exhausted just talking about it. Are you exhausted thinking about it? See, because we're all busy. Like all of us, we're all juggling a lot of different things all the time. And so in the busyness, in the busyness that life brings us, I want us to listen to what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Uh, In this storyline here in the gospel account of of Mark, uh, Jesus had just sent out the disciples to go and advance his kingdom, to go and share about the salvation that has come through Jesus. And they're actually over there uh, healing people, raising people from the dead. So, So the disciples are becoming like rock stars almost within their own right, but not in like the twisted Benny Hinn kind of way, but in a real and honest way. And Jesus, he saw them exhausted and beat down down and he had compassion on them and he said hey guys hey let's you and I just get away just for a moment let's get away and connect with one another just chill for a moment and refresh 
You see, Jesus is looking at you right in the face and he's saying, hey, hey, why don't you just take a break? It's all right, just kick your feet up. It's okay to just chill for a moment or even for a couple of days. And y'all, I need to hear this. The board was on me last week saying, hey, you need to take a rest. But I'm kind of weird because I feel guilty when I take a rest because there's so much more to get done and there's so much to still do in this line of work and ministry that I've found myself in. But Jesus is telling me, And he's telling you that, hey, it's okay to just chill out just for a moment. I want to say thank you so much to the Montanas. Let's give them a round of applause again for giving our worship team a rest. Their incredible ministry of singing over us. Our our worship team has almost been working for 52 weekends straight. And so if we can give them a round of applause and all of our volunteers that have helped make this thing possible. There are so many people that work super hard all throughout the week and especially on Sunday mornings. I cannot thank you guys more than enough and, and it's so humbling and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on to the next topic because I'm gonna start getting really teary-eyed and I'm not gonna be able to finish the sermon. So uh, thank you again for uh, all your hard work and the things that you do to get this, get this church moving and going and thriving and growing every week. See, but in the life of a Christian, In the life of a Christian, there are these things called spiritual disciplines. And the definition of a spiritual discipline is this, and and hey, I'm about to save you all like tens of thousands of dollars in a master's level seminary degree uh, by giving you this definition. It was really expensive for me to learn how to, uh, what this means. So the definition of a spiritual discipline, ready, write this down, are, 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 are disciplines that are spiritual, all right? Pretty clever, right? I'm telling you, this is a really expensive education. But spiritual disciplines, they were meant for us to refresh, to reboot, to recharge. And our church, we're already joining in on some spiritual disciplines. We've started 21 days of prayer and fasting together where prayer is just this time out of our day where we're praying for ourselves, we're praying for those around us, praying for our church, our home, our work life. And another one is fasting. And I really love how Stovall Weems, he's actually the author of our um, devotional that we're going over together. He says that fasting is not something that we do to earn God's favor and mercy. He says, because we already have it. And so the second that you said yes to Jesus, that wellspring was planted inside of you and you immediately received all the rewards of being a child of God. Like all the salvation benefits were already given and implanted in you as you joined in on the family of God. And so fasting is a time where we get to celebrate this goodness of God and it's proof that he is the one who's all sufficient. See, that he's the one who strengthens, he's the one who restores, he sustains and guides us and leads us. That right there is what fasting is. Another spiritual discipline is meditation. And yeah, it's not just for hippies and liberals. And by the way, uh, John the Baptist was a big time hippie. He was walking around uh, eating locusts and never using antiperspirant. I I guarantee you that John the Baptist never vaccinated any of his kids, guaranteed. And then Jesus, he kind of started the hippie trend as well with the long hair uh, and the Jesus sandals. He was not mainstream at all. Like Jesus was the one who created his own stream. But, but seriously though, see Jesus, Jesus went and would go all away all the time. 
by himself to connect with God the Father. And so did Paul. Paul did the same thing. We read it in his letters. And let me tell you something. They were way busier than you and I will ever be. The Psalms are filled with meditation principles, like in Psalm 119. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And so let's meditate on the scriptures. Let's sit and be silent and listen for God's uh, small, still voice that's speaking through our conscience. Let's, Let's read God's word. And let's let his word come alive in us. See, there's also all these other spiritual disciplines, but really it's anything that helps us align our spirit with God's spirit. It's a place where we can come to the well of Christ and drink from his living water so that we can get filled up, so that we can be refreshed and nourished, strengthened and empowered to continue on this mission of Jesus. The mission to refresh others. And usually I close and, uh, our time together uh, by saying, hey, we are the church. That you are the church everywhere we go. And I love to be able to remind us that that is the truth. That it's not just these four walls that we're in, but we take the church with us. Because the church lives inside the believer. The church is the image of the invisible God. Uh, one of the, my favorite verses is 1 John 4:12. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You see, people drink from the cup of Jesus. Through us, we're the one who is able to offer this cup to those around us. This cup of living water that will change their life forever. And we know that it'll change their life forever because it changed our life forever. But friends, we have to be refreshed in order for us to be refreshing. And so this series, my hope is that we get refreshed, that we lean into God's word, uh, the words that Paul had for his buddy Philemon, so that we can also individually and collectively have this reputation of being a people, of being a church who is refreshing to be around. And so together right now, I would love for us to soak in the Spirit of God as the Montanas come back up and just play a little bit over us as we are able to connect with God's Word. Let His Spirit just soak into our innermost being before we leave this time. And I'd love for us just to pray with and for one another. Remember, it's okay to rest. And I'm telling myself that, Roy, it's okay to rest and chill out sometimes so that we can in turn be refreshing. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word of truth. Thank you for the example of so many faith giants Faith giants that are in your word that lived centuries ago and and faith giants that are here right now that we get to look up to. But most importantly, God, we look up 
to you. And you're telling us, you personally are coming to us and you're saying, hey, come with me for a little while, just you and I. And let's spend time together. God, would you help us to do that? Even if it's on a ride to work when we're stuck in traffic, let's use those moments as sweet instead of raging times where we're able to connect with you, God, to listen for your voice because you speak through our conscience, God. And it's the same word that we can read in Scripture that you're speaking in our heart and our soul and in our mind. Lord, so would you help us to create space to hear from you, to lean into the words that you have for us. And sometimes you just don't want to speak. Sometimes it's okay for you and I just to be still and quiet and relax. God, I pray for my friends who have not yet surrendered to this incredible love that you have for us, this water that we drink from and we never thirst again. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they say yes to you and drink from your cup. And Lord, I'd love to rejoice with them as well. God, would you help us? Would you refresh us as we study through this short letter? Would you help us to grab a hold of these faith principles so that we can be a refreshing community, one that gives and gives and gives your love away? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just take a few moments to just um, sit uh, in God's presence. And uh, if you want to respond to his word and let him speak to you, just a a couple of moments. um, And then we'll go ahead and close out the service and our time together.